0: Welcome to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight. The language and conversations contained within this podcast are often not suitable for minors, nuns, people with heart conditions, the humorless, and the easily offended. Spoilers for the films discussed are often in abundance.
1: They must be destroyed on sight!
0: They must be destroyed on site, and this is intermission number 21. First off, I'm going to get really quick into something that's not going to show up for October that I said was, and that will be a commentary for the movie Burial Ground, The Knights of Terror. I was originally going to do this commentary with my brother, but unfortunately we just couldn't get around to doing it. We didn't have the time. Other things came up, work came up, yada yada yada. So needless to say, we didn't do it. That will eventually show up at some point. Maybe next month, we'll see. Uh, But anyone who was anticipating that, I don't think there was anybody anticipating that. But just on the odd chance that you were, apologies. Should mention that if you're listening to this on Halloween, also coming out on the They Must Be Destroyed On Site feed is the Wolfman's Halloween rock and roll show. That's right, Lee Van Teeth back for another year his third of his annual Halloween rock and roll shows, two hours, music, promos. Uh, this time out, there's some movie trailers and stuff in there, a bunch of fun stuff. Wolfman always puts on a good show. Highly recommended uh, if you need something to kill two hours of time during Halloween. So there you go. Look look for that as well on the feed. should also mention that I think today, Halloween... This will also pop up. I was honored to be asked to be one of the participants in a movie commentary for Night of the Creeps. And this will be appearing on the two drink minimum commentaries uh, that Gary Hill and several other of the sort of Legion podcast people do. Uh, He was nice enough to ask me to fill in for someone that dropped out. I think it was uh, Ricky Morgan of Hail Ming Power Hour actually that, that dropped out. Uh, because of some other commitments or whatever so uh yeah i i subbed in and i was drinking uh murphy's highland cream whiskey and had a lot of fun talking about night of the creeps it was a fun commentary i look forward to listening back to it and, and watching the movie with it and see how that uh, does um I, I will link all this stuff in the show notes eventually and also mention that the next film on the City of the Dead podcast, and hope to be recording for this this Wednesday, uh, it's going to be The Vault of Horror. Uh, if you're not familiar, I do co-hosting duties over on uh, my friend James Murphy's City of the Dead sub-podcast to his Doctor Who podcast, which is known as Pex Lives. City of the Dead is the uh, sub-podcast that covers... Up until now, we've been, we've been covering just amicus films and we're almost through all the amicus films we got the vol of horror here there's like two or three other amicus films left after this and then we're going to be moving on to other stuff stuff that falls into the sort of same uh, genre probably going to be picking some uh, other anthologies to look at Probably going to be picking some Hammer stuff and some classic British horror. But yeah, we're having a lot of fun doing this. I think the show keeps getting better and better as as we move along. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Vault of Horror next. So uh, I'll eventually link to that when that shows up as well. And before that, we did Tales from the Crypt. If you haven't listened to that, go over to Pex Lives and check it out. Again, the links will be down in the show notes. Now, what's coming up in November? I have a short list here. Uh, I don't expect all of these to be covered in November because it seems like our schedules uh, between me, Daniel, and Paul have just gone all fucking shitty and awry. So there's no guarantee we'll get all of these in November, but I'm going to try to shoot at least for two of these in November, uh, especially because two of these are listener requests and we're trying to fulfill some more listener requests on movies we cover on the podcast. So... Here's the short list, and um, at the very least, I'm hoping these will all be done before the end of the year. So, there you go. Uh, we're going to be doing Walter Hill's Southern Comfort. Uh, I look forward to getting this one. May have uh, some guests on this one. Uh, haven't worked out the details for all this yet, so uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. We're going to be looking at The Last Wave, and we're going to be looking at Aguirre, The Wrath of God, uh, the Werner herzog Klaus Kinski. One of their epic, uh, legendary collaborations. Um, And we're going to be looking at my favorite movie of all time, Sorcerer. And yeah, that's sort of the short list right there. I don't want to get into too much detail because I, I have a feeling these are all movies that are going to be covered extensively in excruciating detail when we finally do get to them. So there you go. All right, we're going to take a little quick break, and then we're going to get into the meat of this intermission episode. The first thing we're going to be doing is looking up a list of upcoming horror movies for 2018. And I'm just going to give my off-the-cuff reactions to these uh, potential releases. And then when when we finish that, we're going to hit some music. We're going to come back. And uh, I have a special little segment where I'm going to run down some recommendations for double features you might want to partake in this Halloween night. All right, guys, we'll be right back. You ungodly warlock.
1: This is a distress call from across time and space, I am Babs the automated biological support system for the humanoid known as the Witch. Witch vs the Doomsday Clock is the weekly chronicle of his fight for survival and entertainment on the junk heap of the future. Episodes are transmitted in 15 minute pulses across the dimensional divide weekly for your listening pleasure. As you will learn, the future is not set in stone, and a flux capacitor is a girl's best friend. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Come join the rest of the Meat Popsicles in our Facebook group, facebook.com groups slash witch vs the Doomsday Clock. The replicant known as Witch can be found on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr and Instagram by searching for T-H-E-W-Y-C-H. The Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Now in the words of Lord Humongous. Just walk away, and there will be an end to the horror.
0: Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses all things Grindhouse, exploitation, drive-in, and B-movies. Your three hosts, Mike. We're, we're going to discuss the Renee Martinez directed picture, The $6,000. What? Time- Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the name of the Super movie. Super Soul that's Brother. The name. When you that's start the movie, your DVD cover. When you start the movie, the first thing that comes what up says, is the title, and it says $6,000. Mark, and I've been around a girl... Stroking a horse's dick. Somehow, somewhere down the line, I'm gonna use that clip against you. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> and listener favorite Iris. The deployment sock. And I'm like, deployment sock. What the fuck is a deployment sock? He goes, you know, you know that sock that you just use oh my god you guys are so gross (laughs) see so it happens for real people do come inside we'll make you question your political correctness while laughing at theirs episodes drop Sunday and can be found by searching for BB and BC podcast via iTunes Lipson, Stitcher, Google Play Music and everywhere else you can download quality podcasts from You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at bbnbcpodcast.com
1: You ungodly warlock!
0: Alright, we're back. And now we're going to take a look at 2018 horror movie releases, apparently. Upcoming horror movie releases. So, this should be interesting. This is from a website called movieweb.com I did something similar to this last year I don't remember what website I was on I don't know if it was this one or not who knows but let's see apparently there's how many pages three pages to go through here so let's just look and see what it says is coming up first off the predator 20th century Fox updates the predator franchise for a new generation so I don't know if this is going to be a sequel or a prequel or uh reboot or what I think I heard Shane Black is back in in this like writing this so it might have some decent pedigree behind it at the very least who knows I'm always up for a good Predator movie I love the first one I liked the uh, was it Robert Rodriguez did did that recent one with Adrian Brody of all people probably he was probably the least convincing part of that film as this sort of tough guy military soldier, but that was a fun movie. I like that one where they brought a bunch of people to the predator planet and hunted them there instead of going to another planet and hunting. Um, yeah, I'll, I'd give this one a shot. I would. I would definitely uh, look look forward to to seeing this one. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. That's a terrible title. Fifth installment of Jurassic Park series, which picks up moments after Jurassic World. I just, you know, the concept is worn out, it's welcome for me, and I just don't care. Next, The Something, which is listed as a comedy, so I guess it's supposed to be a horror comedy of some sort. The story, which the studio is keeping under wraps, is described as an ensemble comedy-horror hybrid set in deep space, similar in tone to Sony's Zombieland. Alright, if it's similar to Zombieland, then it might be interesting, it might be funny. I like Zombieland. So, there you go, The Something. That's probably not going to be the title. That seems like a placeholder title. Next up, Meg. Deep sea submersible, part of an international underseas observation program, has been attacked by massive creatures previously thought to be extinct. Now lies disabled to bomb the deepest trench in the Pacific with crew trapped inside. Time running out, expert deep sea rescue diver Jonas Taylor who is played by Jason Statham. Recruited by somebody to go down in. Save him, and lo and behold, the monster is a 70 foot 75-foot-long uh, shark known as the Megalodon. Yeah, this is based on a series of books, isn't it? Yeah, okay. I might watch this, depending on how good the uh, Megalodon looks in it. If it's going to be one of those fucking sci-fi uh, network specials, then count me out. But this seems like it's going to be, at least have some money behind it, but I think... If I'm not mistaken, Eli Roth, is his name is attached to this as either director or producer or something like that, and that just makes me think this movie has the stink of death all over it, because Eli Roth is just, he's been kind of proven cancer to some films out there. We'll see, but man, I love Jason Statham, and I I keep hoping he'd get a big hit again somewhere in the mainstream and, and start making some good movies again, but uh I don't think this is going to be the one that does it. Next up, The Nun. Spinoff from the 2016 horror The Conjuring 2. We'll center on the Demon Nun character. Uh, That was a spooky character in that film. The idea that it constitutes an entire film of its own around it, just like the Annabelle doll, I don't think holds much water. I probably won't see this. I like The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, but I'm not major fans of either of those films. I think there's way better stuff that's come out in the last couple years that just kind of destroys those two films, even though they're kind of cited as some of the best horror films in the last few years. There was another movie called The Nun. I think it was an Italian or Spanish horror film that came out years ago. That one was alright. But, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to see this. Uh, Next, The Strangers 2. Rogue Pictures is moving forward with a sequel to The... It's summer hit, The Strangers. I've seen Brian Bertino to return to write the script. Bertino wrote the original and made his directing debut on the film. It's yet to be determined whether he'll helm the sequel. The expectation is that Liv Tyler, along with several of the original villains, will return. So what's this going to be? Liv Tyler hunting down The Strangers? Or The Strangers coming back to finish the job they didn't finish on her? Mm, I don't know. I'm pretty back and forth on home invasion films some are pretty good others are just absolute dross crap uh, I thought The Strangers was just a little too brutal and pointless it was kind of like watching a watered down version of a Serbian film to a certain degree where it's just like what's the point there you know, there was nothing all that interesting about it I didn't really like it all that much um, whereas you look at something like Martyrs which also probably fits into this sort of genre and martyrs i think is a fantastic horror film but that one has some mystery and it has a point to it and it has a ending that leaves you asking questions the strangers just felt pointless and i guess that's sort of the point in a in some respects where evil is banal and pointless at times and there's no direction behind it it's just sometimes horrible things happen to good people But, uh, that doesn't necessarily make for an interesting movie. So there we go. Uh, Venom. Well, this isn't a horror movie. At least I don't see how this would be classified as a horror horror movie. They have it classified as action under here. Uh, potential Spider-Man spinoff. Next. Halloween. Terrifying new installment in the classic franchise originated by John Carpenter. So Carpenter is attached to this in some respects. I think overseeing, like, producing and doing a soundtrack and shit like that. That's been some of the rumors. And Jamie Lee Curtis may or may not be attached to it. You can never really trust what someone says on Twitter. Uh, Oh, I'm I'm, I'm in talks or whatever. Or they at least paid me enough money to say something about it. Uh, Who knows? I'd say just let it die, honestly. Let these fucking franchises die. Um, I mean, this has the potential to be better than H2O, and from what I understand, it seems like the general thought is that this is going to be kind of a H2O thing, where it just forgets everything past, like, part two, maybe even just part one, who knows. And I'm kind of interested, I'll admit it, I'm kind of interested in seeing if they can do an interesting, uh, take on it, change the story, make it more interesting. But, yeah, I, I'd i rather just see this franchise die. I mean, honestly, the, the first two parts are still the only ones really worth a damn. I don't know if this can really change that. Assuming this isn't just a total fucking reboot of some sort. Even just like a fucking soft reboot. And that just kind of disappoints me even more. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Second remake of the original West Craven horror classic is being planned at noonline. Line. Oh my fuck, let this one die as well. Just let it fucking die. I I don't know why. I, I just don't... The, the, that fucking remake they had a few years back was just... Wasn't good. It had some interesting ideas, and it could have went somewhere interesting, but they basically just re on it halfway through the film and I just I don't know why I don't I don't see I, I'm honestly I'm not even a big fan of the original Nightmare on Elm Street so I don't care that much but eh, leave it alone next beyond the Green Inferno okay well I saw the Green Inferno and that's another Eli Roth thing and honestly the least said the better I don't see this being any better than Green Inferno, which I didn't think was all that good at all. Okay, page two. Buzzard Hollow Beef. A psychedelic horror that follows a family who, after experiencing vivid hallucinations, believe they have been poisoned by cannibalistic hillbillies. Okay, So maybe some sort of um, eaten alive angle in there a little bit, uh, with selling weird meat to people. That might be interesting, I mean it's not all that original, but might be interesting. We'll see. I like the name. Dawn of the Zom Dawn of the Planet of the Zombies and the Giant Killer Plants on some serious acid. Uh social media is dead. It's the end of the world and not even Facebook can save us. Okay, that doesn't explain anything about the film, as far as I can tell. So well why are you even wasting my time with this shit? Dead Snow 3 Zombie Hitler is ready for his return in Dead Snow 3. Count me in. I'll watch this. Dead Snow and Dead Snow 2 are both a lot of fun and they're definitely a lot better than those uh, fucking uh, Iron Sky films or whatever that just I don't know. Those ones are just too fucking silly. Uh at least Dead Snow and Dead Snow 2 they're they're kind of silly but they got that sort of evil dead vibe to them where the humor mixes with the horror very well. Yeah. I'll watch Dead Snow 3. Fuck yeah, I will. Uh, let's see here. Friday the 13th, part 13. Jason vs. Jarvis in 3D. Are you kidding me? Tommy Jarvis returns to fight Jason in this long-awaited sequel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fuck off. Ghostbusters animated movie. Animated feature film based on the Ghostbusters franchise of movies that tells me nothing that tells me absolutely nothing let this fucking franchise die too that fucking all female Ghostbusters thing instead of it being fun and interesting they turned it into a big political social fucking bullshit thing and uh, yeah it just sucked it wasn't funny it could have been good but it they just got wrapped up in fucking trying to please the wrong people and that movie sucked, and I honestly kind of tainted my need to see anything else Ghostbusters. So fuck this shit. Hotel Transylvania 3. I've never seen any other ones. I know they're animated kids' movies. Not interested. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Reboot of the 85 classic. Um, there was an earlier version. 85 wasn't the first one. But uh okay, maybe they're making maybe this is gonna be a musical? Maybe that's why they're saying it's a reboot of the eighty five one, which was a musical and not just a B horror movie. But um yeah. Okay. Pennywise, the story of it documentary from Dead Mouth Dead Mouse Productions, excuse me. Makers of Leviathan, the story of Hellraiser and Hell, Hellbound Hellraiser two, and some other stuff. Fully independent retrospective into the making of Stephen King's *It* and its cultural impact over the last 28 years. Oh, so they're talking about the uh the TV miniseries? Okay, that might be interesting. They got a bunch of the original cast in here talking about the movie, Tim Curry, behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, okay, I might watch that. Pumpkinhead reboot of the 80s horror classic? No, stop it. Just stop it. It doesn't need a reboot. The original Pumpkinhead's fucking awesome. The sequels, not so much. But Pumpkinhead, just leave it alone. Uh, puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, uh, fuck off. I hate Puppet Master. I fucking hate most of Full Moon, and just this obsession with like little puppet monsters and shit that they always have going for them. I just I couldn't be fucking bothered. I couldn't give two shits. Puppet Master, fuck off. Slenderman fuck really that's not over with yet people are still talking about Slender Man or okay sure whatever Summer of the Piranha next installment of the Piranha movie series which will take place in Japan so we're gonna see a lot of naked Japanese girls getting eaten by piranhas now instead of naked women being eaten by piranhas in America okay I might watch that those those movies, the, the sort of reboot series for Piranha is just silly stupid shit but it's probably the, the high end of the uh, sort of sci-fi animal monster attack kind of stuff you know, because it's actually not done by sci-fi or the asylum or whatever so it's actually got some money behind it and some production values yeah, it might be a good just one time watch Blair Witch Project 3 this movie does not exist I'm sorry, there's only the Blair Witch Project and that's it. Uh, first Omen. Prequel to the 76th classic the Omen that shows what happened before Damien was born. Okay. So we're going to see his parents fucking? Is that basically what you're saying? So this is a porno? Or, um, I don't... <laughs> what is the point of that? The Grudge. A reboot of The Grudge. Yeah... Fuck you. Just fuck you The Night Gardener This is a family This is a family movie? The book is Follow up to the widely popular Peter Nimble And his fantastic eyes Orphan siblings who travel to Work as servants to the Creepy crumbling Windsor Estates This isn't a horror movie Uh, The Purge 4 No Don't like that series Don't like that franchise at all Don't care Uh, The Toxic Avenger. They're remaking The Toxic Avenger. Okay, so how much you want to bet it's going to be very politically correct, very compromised, very uh, safe and sanitized compared to the original film, which you probably couldn't make today, let's be honest. You'd have too many uh, people with delicate constitutions being offended by works of fiction. You know, just get over it. But, yeah, I don't see this one working. But who knows? They might surprise us. And finally, The Wolfman. A remake of The Wolfman from Universal Pictures. So, this is going to be... They're going to forget about the Benicio Del Toro, Anthony Hopkins one. And this is apparently going to be part of the Dark Universe or whatever the fuck they're calling it. For the Universal Monsters reboot that is failing miserably? I don't know. I, I have no time for those movies because they don't seem like they're set on making horror movies. They seem like they're set on making action movies with these characters or representations of these classic characters that don't even really... <laughs> they don't really jive with what people actually know these characters to be. They're, they're almost reinventing these characters from scratch for new audiences and uh, I don't include myself in those audiences. So, there we go. Thank fuck that was a short list. I, I was pretty optimistic going into this, honestly, because the last couple of years there have been some really great horror movies uh, coming out. But it looks like we're going back into a downward spiral here. This stuff doesn't look good. Uh, but we'll see. Can't condemn 2018 until 2018 happens. So, we'll see. All right, we're going to go to a break and we'll be right back. Ah! We're going to end off the show now with a little segment on suggested double features for Halloween viewing. So, I have 24 horror movies here sitting on my table, pulled from my collection. That gives you 12 different double feature suggestions. I should have done 13, shouldn't I? That that would have been the cliched thing to do, but fuck you, I'm not doing that. You can mix and match these things. You don't have to go with my suggestions these are just sort of guiding posts for you especially if there's movies here you've never heard of or perhaps haven't considered for halloween viewing but uh, you know you can mix and match you could do triple feature you could do a 24-hour halloween marathon who knows what the fuck you're doing i'm just gonna humbly put out some suggestions here for you guys and each of these double features is somewhat thematically connected some of them are a little weaker than others but Uh, Here we go and uh, I'm hoping this will you know give you some offbeat choices here and there some of these are pretty obvious choices but I think some of these would be uh, interesting for you to try out if you've you've never uh, heard of these films or just ever bothered to watch these films first off vampire movies first one I'm going to mention is near dark my favorite vampire movie of the 80s from 1987 and of course this is the Catherine Bigelow directed near dark And I like this a lot better than Lost Boys. I know everyone seems to gravitate towards Fright Night or the Lost Boys. I love Near Dark. It's this sort of western and vampire movie at the same time. I like how it depicts vampires as sort of pathetic creatures in a lot of ways. Where they have to be drifters. Always moving from town to town. Feeding off the dregs of society. uh, Always having to be in hiding. And uh, always on the lam. And... It's just really good, it's got Lance Hendrickson, it's got Bill Paxton in great roles here. And uh, it's just an interesting take on the vampires, so I really like that one. Then we'll go for the 1979 remake of Nosferatu from Werner Herzog, with Klaus Kinski in his greatest role ever. I just love it, it's sometimes it, it's at times a shot-for-shot recreation of the original 1922 Nosferatu. It's much more atmospheric, it does some interesting things. Changes some things up a little bit here and there, and it's a really great take on the Dracula tale. I I really enjoyed it. It's it's very uh, it's a bit more artsy fartsy and atmospheric, and uh, I love it. Some people might think it's slow and, and a little boring. I don't. I think it's incredible. And uh, again, it depicts vampires as more pathetic creatures than uh, romantic, shiny vampire bullshit or you know just. Uh, Lotharios in Dracula capes running around giving women orgasms with their teeth. It's another fantastic film, one of my all time favorites. This is one I always watch sometime in October. Already have watched it this month, so there you go. Now we're going to move on to slasher films. First one I'm going to mention is going to be probably the most controversial and offbeat choice out of all of these, and this is the Friday the 13th remake from 2009. A lot of people don't seem to like this one. I like it a lot because I'm not a big fan of the Friday the 13th series. I I find it just a hard series to slog through. Uh, The continuity issues are just so terrible. And, I mean, it just starts going downhill from part two onward. I find this remake kind of smushes the first three or four parts together and sort of gives you a greatest hits kind of thing and it does it in a really well done package like the movie moves along at a really quick pace Uh, it gives you plenty of hardcore gore gives you a a frightening aggressive jason who is more of a hunter survivalist character almost which he would kind of have to be if he's supposed to be this killer living in the woods So it plays off that, it gives you sort of an explanation of how he can sort of seemingly teleport all across Camp Crystal Lake and the surrounding area so quickly, gives you iconic moments like his mother dying, gives you him finding his mask, gives you Sackhead Jason for a little while, Um, it gives you all that, it gives you everything you want, all kinds of gore, some good kills, uh, gives you some titties, Uh, the characters are at least somewhat two-dimensional, so they're a little bit better than most of the characters in almost every sequel of Friday the 13th. I don't know why people complain. Uh there's some purists out there who just think that the original series is some or at least the first few films in the original series are some sort of holy grail of slasher films and they're not. They're they're really soulless corporate calculated formula things that were made to make money and uh plot and characterization and any legit thrills and scares were just you know second thought they probably didn't even give it a thought for the most part but here they actually tried to put all that together and make a really good slasher film and i enjoyed it quite a bit next just before dawn from 1980 the jeff lieberman uh directed film It is a slasher in the woods film, but it's one of the more unique ones. It's a very creepy, uh, atmospheric one. Uh, It has a unique killer, has a unique twist on the killer, has a unique twist on the final girl. Before, the final girl formula really was set in stone kind of thing. It's got a unique kind of final girl twist here. It's more psychological and interesting, and uh, I really, really like it there's not much to say other than uh, without getting into a full review of it but uh, I think it's really creepy I think the kills are pretty dialed back and effective and realistic feeling and just it's a very haunting kind of slasher film and it's, it's very very well done. Okay next we're going to go to two films that just unnerved me quite a bit that uh, I would call legit horror movies that can creep you out and make you feel uncomfortable maybe even scare you First one I'm going to mention is one of, to me, one of the most frightening movies I've ever seen, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1978 remake. This is amazing. Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy, Jeff Goldblum, Veronica Cartwright. Um, Just an update of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the best ever version made. Uh, It does away with the communist Red Scare kind of metaphor and moves on to um, just being scared of your neighbor just because in the urban sprawl you could be feet away from your neighbor and never ever interact with them and just be suspicious of them and it it, it makes you know it makes comments on modern culture greed the me me generation the um, overuse of psychoanalysis nonsense like that like it, it has a little bit of all of that sort of stuck in here and just the ramping paranoia of the entire thing is just amazing it this movie always works on me every time I watch it it makes me uncomfortable it creeps me out and I don't think the final moment even though I always know it's coming now the the final twist and I'm not gonna spoil it for you just in case you're like the three people who've never seen this movie or never at least seen the ending of this movie somewhere on the internet it still works on me even though I know it's coming it still makes me feel a little uh, little sad and hopeless uh, just kind of gives me a chill. So that that movie works great. Next one, Witchfinder General from 1968. And this is the Vincent Price one doing a fictional version of the real Witchfinder General uh, Matthew Hopkins, I believe his name was. And this is probably one of Vincent Price's best roles. It's his most serious, most frightening role, I think. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen him do a better job as far as just going deadpan serious and scary. Uh, usually he's got that more theatrical acting style where there's a little wink and a nod there somewhere, where it's a little bit campy maybe. Here he does away with all that and proves what a great actor he truly was. And he's just a vicious, sadistic, corrupt monster in this film. And some of the stuff he does in this film is really hard to watch. It's, it's a very really out there film for 1968. Like It's, it's a pretty hardcore film. I wouldn't say it's, like, ultra-gory or anything like that, but just the implications in this film are pretty nasty. Pretty nasty stuff. So, there you go, Witchfinder General. Moving on, two modern films that I think are worth uh, looking at. One of the ones is not probably going to surprise you all that much. This is one that I'm sure a lot of people already kind of regard as a classic, although some people sort of turned a corner on it and went, oh, it's way overhyped, and I'm just going to dismiss it now. If you're doing that, I think you're kind of... kind of letting yourself down um and that would be it follows from 2015 or is it 2014 yeah 2014 this is a great film i think it's an absolutely great film uh it sort of reminds you of halloween just in sort of the feel of it it's got that sort of early john carpenter pacing and feel of like halloween and the electronic score kind of helps as well but Uh, Just an interesting sort of uh, metaphor for sexually transmitted diseases, coming of age, being responsible about sex, being educated about sex, and um, it's got this like Michael Myers-like ghost curse thing following all these people who transfer it between sexual partners, and uh, I just found it really, really interesting. I thought the pacing of it was really good and it still is a really creepy film. Okay, and then we'll look at 2015's We Are Still Here. This is a sort of a th- retro throwback, but it's one that's done really well. It, it doesn't rub it in your face like, "Oh, look how retro and uh, old we look and, you know, we're paying homage and all this shit." No, it just it just sort of eases right into that sort of feel, into that sort of world. It owes a lot to like the Amityville Horror uh, but also like Lucio Fulci style stuff, uh, v- very much a combination of those two things. Although it's like Lucio Fulci with an actual story behind it with interesting characters and protagonists with really good acting. Barbara Crampton is amazing in this. It's from the producers of, uh, House of the Devil and it's got a very similar feel to it like that, that film had, um, and it's just really, really well done. I love it. Uh, it's a really good haunted house story that, uh, doesn't shy away from being hardcore horror as well very very well done okay next two films that are sort of connected very very loosely uh, sort of about forgotten classes of people or forgotten groups of people and how that horror comes back to bite uh, society as a whole in the ass Uh, first one I would mention is Deathline also known as raw meat from 1972 this one has uh, Donald Pleasance, it has Christopher Lee in sort of a bit part, and uh, it's about cannibals in the London Underground. Basically a colony of Victorian uh, workers who got caught and trapped in the, uh, in the underground somewhere, and they've been sort of living all this time. they survived, and they've become sort of inbred cannibals, and the last of them sort of comes up to the surface looking for food, because their food supply ran out and so the police have to figure out what the fuck's going on and they're tracking them down and it's basically just about uh, how this working this section of working class people were just forgotten about by the people of the time and it's come back to bite their ancestors in the ass these forgotten people uh, come back and sort of take their due from society they take it out in so- society's actual flesh instead of monetary gains or uh, justice you know in the in the courts So there you go, Death Line, really good. And then Death Dream. We just recently did this on the podcast from 1974, the uh, Bob Clark directed film. And this one is about Vietnam-era soldiers coming back and being spit on by their country, poorly integrated back into society, not given the care that they needed when they come back from the war, and uh, how a lot of them became drug addicts and became... Psychologically damaged in some way, and how that affected society as a whole. All those things are sort of explored in this film, although it's in the context of a sort of a ghoul vampire kind of idea. Just really creepy and really sad, and an effective, effective horror film. So uh, check that one out if you haven't. Next, we'll go to two sort of more classic black and white ghost films. First one I'll mention is The Haunting from 63 it's one of the best ghost films ever made it only has I think one practical effect in the whole film and it's very effectively done and it comes in a very effective time Uh, this film is all about mood Uh, of course it's based on the Shirley Jackson story The Haunting of Hill House it's probably the best of its type ever made as far as I'm concerned it's just a classic creepy film and it's uh, very well done we'll move on to something a little bit more goofy. This is the William Castle film, 13 Ghosts, which is full of gimmicks, uh, a little bit of campiness, a little bit of seriousness here and there. This one's just kind of a fun Halloween film. That's what it is, essentially. It's just just a lot of fun um, about this family that inherits this house that's haunted by 13 ghosts. And the whole gimmick is going around discovering the 13 different ghosts and sort of discovering the mystery behind them and everything like that. Avoid the remake of this. The remake is garbage, but William Castle deserves a look. If if all you know is the reputation of being kind of a schlocky guy and making campy movies, uh, he made some effective little uh, creepy films back in his day. Uh, Gimmicks aside and all that. And 13 Ghosts is pretty good stuff. Next, the best two Dracula films from Hammer Studios. First one I'll cite, of course, is the 1957 horror of Dracula it's great it's a really well done adaptation of Bram Stoker's novel it changes a few things here and there but it's fairly faithful and uh, you get the first turn of Christopher Lee in the uh, Cape and Fangs one where he says a lot Uh, he says a lot less in a lot of the sequels and uh, I won't go into the story of of that because I'm sure everyone knows what he sort of thought of his uh, career as Dracula as it went on just a perfect classic sort of update on the universal horror film. Honestly, it's way better than the original Bela Lugosi Dracula, which really isn't much of a horror film to begin with. Then we'll go to Taste the Blood of Dracula, which is my favorite Dracula film of all time. This one is treating Dracula more like a metaphor and... It's basically the, uh, it's more about the hypocrisy of Victorian-style values and uh, how the uh, older generation would put on airs of being moral and good when secretly they're going into much more decadent and deviant things than they accuse the younger generation of going into. And it's about the clash of those two generations. Uh, the, these uh, fathers of the younger generation uh, sort of conspire to uh, go into these uh, decadent vices explore all these things ended up killing a servant of Dracula in one of their uh, explorations and Dracula comes back and he takes revenge by turning the young against the old turning the uh, sons and daughters against the fathers and uh, it's great It's, it's really really good I love it and it's got the best title for a horror movie ever taste the blood of dracula so there you go then we have the two best frankenstein films from hammer first one of course is also the first one in the series the curse of frankenstein this has christopher lee and peter cushing in it and this is from 57 as well peter cushing at this time is still kind of a sympathetic baron von frankenstein he d- he's not the amoral Piece of shit that he becomes in in later iterations of the uh, series. Fucking Christopher Lee is the fucking monster, and he's he does a great job. He's my favorite Frankenstein's monster. This one doesn't stick to the original text as as well, but what is there is really well done. It's just a little less of a sprawling epic than what Frankenstein actually is the original story. But uh, for for what they do with this, uh, Hammer really knocked it out of the park. And it's a great classic film with great performances from Lee and Cushing. And then we have Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed with Peter Cushing. And then by this point, Baron von Frankenstein is just totally disgusting. And you want to see him get his comeuppance. And he does in this film. So this is uh, just another good one in the series. There were some... Bad. there were some weak ones in the series but this is probably the uh, strongest after the very first film and uh yeah it's just another one of these these films of Peter Cushing going around abusing people uh, abusing his power and authority and uh, using it for his own gain to uh, get bodies to experiment on by, by any means possible and it's just really really well done great finale in this one very uh Roger Corman Poe films type finale in this one. If if you're familiar with those, you'll kind of know where I'm getting at with this, where uh, everything slowly builds to just this really amazing ending. If you want to get on to two films that are much more artsy and uh, snooty, and maybe films you have to really sit down and engage and sort of pay attention to, you know, if that's not what you thrown in for for uh, Halloween, then you might want to avoid this recommendation altogether, but I think it's a really good one. First one I'm going to mention is Akira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood, and this one's from '57. I think this is an amazing film. It's my favorite adaptation of Macbeth, which is what it is. It's a Japanese adaptation of Macbeth, and it's got Toshiro Mifune. And it of course it's just very haunting and atmospheric it's not necessarily a horror film but i think all the supernatural stuff going on behind is pretty horrific you you do have to sit there and read subtitles unless you understand japanese so that that would probably turn some people off but it, i think it's a really worthy watch i think it's definitely worth checking out if you've not seen it so there you go throne of blood my next pick Probably most people would say it's not a horror movie, but uh, I would disagree. I think it is horrific enough, creepy enough, unnerving enough that it kind of fits within that realm. And that would be Mulholland Drive, 2001. David Lynch, if you're not familiar with this film. it's, It's almost like a culmination of themes and just stuff that Lynch was exploring in his previous films up to this point and it's it's got a lot of dream logic in it it's got a lot of surrealism it's got a lot of imagery of doubles and doppelgangers and uh, different lives and it's just creepy as hell it's confusing as hell too you're gonna scratch your head probably watching this you might be bored by it who knows I'm just saying I find it incredibly unnerving and creepy I think it's very unsettling kind of film and it's got one legit great all-time jump scare in it as well that is pretty fucking horrific. So I recommend it, Mulholland Drive. It's, it's a creepy, creepy, spooky film. If you're into, you know, trying to go that extra mile and think about what you're watching and uh, try to analyze and interpret something, this has that in spades. You'll be thinking about this one for a while, trying to figure out what's going on. And sometimes that's the best kind of horror. Next, to Party Films party films that you can uh, just watch sit back and really have fun with very quickly to Fred Decker films and if you don't know these films by now then I don't know what to tell you why not go for the monster squad night of the creeps I love these films I think the monster squad is the cool better version of the Goonies it for me it's my Goonies let's put it that way I love that film um, not a big fan of the Goonies honestly and night of the creeps is just this amazing love letter to 50s and 60s b-movies there's a loving recreation of the 50s, and then it jumps to the 1980s. And you have Tom Atkins' best role ever. And Tom Atkins just gets to be the motherfucking man in this film. And there's also some surprising depth to the narrative as well in this film. So um, you can just have a lot of fun with it, but you can also pick up a little bit of uh, thematic resonance and, and other such things in the film, even you know, if, you, if you're so inclined to do that. Uh, uh, and the monster squad itself although it is ostensibly a uh, sort of a kids movie and uh, an update on the universal horror characters that has way way done way better than the uh, current universal reboots monster squad itself does have some serious bits in it as well uh, you know uh, it's a great balance between sort of a fun adventure and some legit serious horror moments as well for every moment of wolfman's got nards you also have dracula calling a little girl a bitch you, you got both of those things in one movie so there you go so there and now we're getting on to the last two selections and hope i'm not going too long here for you guys two sort of animals gone amok films <clears throat> one of them falls solidly into the jaws ripoff genre very obviously from 1977 This is Orca with Richard Harris and uh, Bo Derek, of all people, in this one. Gets her leg bit off, so that's always a plus. But this is just a great, somewhat silly, but a lot of fun. It's almost a slasher film in a way. But this one involves, of course, killer whales. Uh, A killer whale, in fact, going after Richard Harris, who unknowingly killed its mate and its unborn child, which is pretty fucking graphic and gross, by the way. Uh, this was the 70s, so they could get away with some of that stuff. Um, it is pretty shocking in, in some respects. But it's just great, this fucking killer whale that will stop at nothing to hunt down Richard Harris. And Richard Harris tries to skirt his responsibility for the longest time before he can finally can't do it anymore. And it's sort of this um, reverse Moby Dick kind of idea, where instead of... Richard Harris being the Ahab going after the whale, the whales going after Ahab, very very good. Silliness aside, it's pretty fucking good and also Richard Harris can't do a Newfoundland accent to save his life, but it's fun to watch him try, he's still really great in the film. Finally for this pairing, Greg McLean's Rogue from 2006, this is a giant crocodile film set in Australia probably the best giant crocodile film ever made as far as I'm concerned. This tour boat gets trapped deep in the uh, outback and they basically find themselves stuck in a giant crocodile's hunting grounds and it's spooky as hell. Uh, It uses the natural beauty and as well the sort of intimidating man versus nature horrific aspects of the Australian sort of countryside to full effect here. It's an amazing looking film. It doesn't go too out of bounds, you know, like it's somewhat believable. Uh, The CGI for the giant crocodile is kept to a fairly good minimum and it looks pretty effective when you do see it. And I really enjoy it. And finally, god damn, we're getting on here. Two Romero style Zombie films that were not done by Romero. So the first one we're going to look at is The Dead. And this is from 2010. It's set in Africa, off the coast of Africa, actually. um, Or on the coast of Africa, I guess. Where this um, Air Force engineer, the plane he's on, which was full of like relief workers and stuff from the uh, U.S. military that were trying to help with this outbreak of this disease in Africa, are leaving. They're basically abandoning Africa... And unfortunately the plane crashes and he washes up on shore and lo and behold the entire west coast of Africa is just besieged by the dead returning and he's got to make his way through the countryside and try to find some way to escape. He teams up with this African soldier who's trying to get home to uh, rescue his family or whatever. And they just have to navigate the trials and tribulations of just going through Africa in the first place, but going through Africa with zombies around everywhere. And it's very realistically done. The situations they find themselves in in make sense. And it's got a really bleak ending as well, which is uh, very Romero-esque. And the zombies are Romero zombies. And it, it is a striking visual to see all black zombies just stumbling around. It's very interesting. It kind of echoes back to uh, traditional Haitian zombies in a way but of course it's still the more updated Romero ghouls. And finally, George Gow's or Grau I don't know how to pronounce his name. Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, from 1974. This is another Romero-type zombie. To an extent, th- these zombies come back because of a uh, sort of anti-insect method of uh, trying to get rid of insects to keep them off of crops it, by using sonic waves. It ma- basically supposed to makes the insects uh, super aggressive and attack each other until they just wipe each other all out. But unfortunately, the side effect is that it affects the brains of the recently dead, and brings them back as super aggressive and super strong zombies. At the same time, there's still sort of the slow, Romero-esque zombies, and a group of people basically just find themselves fighting for their lives, trying to escape the zombies, and also escape the cops, because there's this bigoted cop out there who thinks that a couple of our young protagonists here are just, you know, Manson-style Satanists who are going around killing people when all these bodies start popping up. But really, it's the zombies killing people. And this one has a pretty bleak ending as well. Pretty bleak ending, yeah. So, uh, again, another one that fits right into the Romero canon. So, yeah, I hope that gives you guys some good uh, suggestions for this Halloween. Hope you uh, have some happy viewings there. And uh, happy Halloween to all you guys. And we'll see you again on the next episode of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For past episodes and links to our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook group, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find links to other podcasts and websites of similar interest. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review. Please join our Facebook group, as it's the single best place to get in contact with the hosts and to know what's coming up on the podcast. Thank you drive through